welcome to another episode of Brothers Red, the unique LFC podcast brought to you by five brothers who are all obsessed with Liverpool Football Club. It's the start of the new season, 2021, and Liverpool have begun with a champion start, a 4-3 victory at Anfield, an empty Anfield albeit, against newly promoted Leeds United. I'm joined this evening, of course, by my four brothers, Matthew, Francis, Patrick and Andrew. Uh, good evening, gentlemen. And I'm going to start the podcast. Let's get straight into it, Matt, with you. The Mentality Monsters are back. What a way to start the season. Yeah, it was, it was a thrilling, thrilling game. Uh, delighted that the season's back. Um, and just relieved to get the win, really. It's still a bit strange not being at Anfield, but um, but yeah, just just made up to get that win, really. You're obviously missing um, not being at the ground. Obviously, you and Fran go to to every home game. Plenty of uh, plenty of pie dinners before the match. But Fran, do you do you do you does it feel funny to you to start the season without without being at Anfield, or is it are you still getting the buzz? Still getting the buzz that it's back. I'm delighted. And we just keep finding that capacity to find a way to win. Well, this is the thing with this team, isn't it, Fran? Um, you can say a lot of things about the game and we're going to say a lot of things, but it's another victory. We started the season with three points and that's got to be the most important thing. Most definitely. Most definitely. Three points, 37 to go. Andy, Fran's right. We've got to keep the same mentality. We've got thirty-seven more league games to go. What were your, what was your reaction? What were your immediate thoughts to the match itself? Yeah, as Matt said, very pleased with the three points, but less uh, pleased with the defensive uh, defensive performance. But I know we'll come on to uh, discuss that in due course. I know I've got an itch and reflex, James. Haven't I to be too critical at times? Um, but I was just just made up with just getting over the line and starting off the season with a win. Andy, it wouldn't be you if you didn't have something to moan about, let's face it. So <laughs> we will give you the proper opportunity to air your grievances. But Pad, with the champions of England, we start the season with a swashbuckling 4-3 win. You've got to be happy, haven't you? This is a great time to be a Liverpool fan. Yeah, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Like that's what football should be. Like I prefer to win a four three exciting game over, you know, a dull one niller. So Leeds fair play to them, they give us a good game. Um but it was like watching a two thousand seventeen Liverpool, wasn't it? With like Salah scoring again and defence a bit all over the place and at three all I was a bit I was a bit worried. I think it was did we get beat to Leeds four three, Mark Baduka scored. I was like, Fucking hell, that doesn't happen again. Can't I can't believe you brought those uh, scars back, Paddy. We we're all uh, wounded by that game. That, that I'm hurting. That's the emotion I was going through. <laughs> yeah, I just have to hope that the Leeds fans are obviously in a lot of pain after that. Uh, after that brave <laughs> defeat, we love a brave defeat, don't we, for an opposing team? But if you if you look at the match, if you look at the match itself, Paddy, it it was a it was a swashbuckling performance, but with some. Uh, defensive chinks in the armour. Can you uh, take us through the uh, statistics, please? Yeah, sure, I think. Um, I'm sure you're all aware, but it's the 60th consecutive undefeated game at Anfield, which is just it's just unbelievable. Um, still breaking records. Just a reminder as well that this team is still amazing. Um, yeah, as, as we said, we won 4-3. Um, 
Salah scored his 52nd goal at Anfield in 63 games. Only Alan Shearer has done it quicker. So, I mean, everyone, people have been talking about Salah being off the pace recently, but, um, you know, he's he's been so consistent and the stats back that up. In terms of the game, um, Liverpool did dominate overall. 22 shots to six. Salah had nine of those shots. It was six shots to three on target. So Leeds actually scored every shot they had on target. Um, mm. Corners, we had nine to the zero. Um, so despite the possession stats, which I mentioned, on the face of it, we created a lot of chances, had a lot of shots and corners. Um, the possession stats has been highlighted in the press. Leeds actually had the majority. In, it was 52 to 48. Um, but if you look at the detail of that possession, 45% of it was in the Leeds third and 31% of it was with the with the back five. So the, the, so Leeds had the ball in the area with the defenders. So that suggests to me that it was deliberate from Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, it, it still is um, unbelievable though, isn't it, to think that a, a team, particularly a team like Leeds, could come to Anfield, particularly in the context of that amazing record we've got, and actually have more of the ball than us. But it was a very interesting game from that perspective, Pad, wasn't it? Because as you say, Leeds had a lot of possession, but it wasn't in the middle of the pitch. It was actually more in their own half as they were playing out and then trying to draw the press on and hit us with the long balls. Yeah, exactly. Leeds last year in the Championship were a press inside and they dominated a lot of games for possession, so they're comfortable with the ball. And what Liverpool decided to do is we're not going to press them. So our PPDA, which is the um, passes per defensive action in the opposition half, is a It's a bit of a mouthful, that, isn't it? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's why I was just like, what is it again? Um, <laughs> it's, Struggling. It, our, our PPDA was 9.9, .9, which was which is lower than what it, what it was last season on average, um, which suggests that we weren't pressing as much. So I think it was very deliberate from Liverpool because they didn't want to push up too far because Leeds are very clever at using the space. So what Liverpool tried to do is they pushed... They had a high line in general, but by not pressing the front line so much, it compacted the middle of the park. And so Leeds had nowhere to go. That was the plan. It, you know, Leeds did create chances. Um, I think Liverpool lost. Liverpool were actually quite sloppy when they actually won it back. Um, the passing accuracy was only 76%. Um, and the average string in terms of build-up was actually only four. So it, it just shows that Liverpool were not putting together sequences of passes um, and they were actually quite sloppy on the ball. Mm. No, it's a very it's a very interesting game actually for a lot of reasons because the thing that you note, Fran, from looking at that first half is that Liverpool were pressing with the front three but it looked as though the midfield as well was pressing up and that's why... There was that kind of cat and mouse game where Liverpool were trying to press them, but they didn't want to press them too high because straight away Leeds were just throwing a ball over the top. But do, do you think 
do you think Liverpool overall won the tactical battle, Fran? Do you do you think it's it's fair to say that on 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 the actual tactics we we prevailed? Yeah, I think so, James. I think um, Leeds were wildly entertaining, but Liverpool were far the most more dominant team. Um, with you know, I think which the scoreline would suggest wouldn't suggest. Sorry, we would be four yeah. three. Well, that's it, isn't it, Pad? I mean, it's it's all very well having a a very a very specific tactical plan that's, that's implemented, but ultimately, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Um, is there anything else on the stats that you wanted to add, Pad, before we go on to match analysis? Yeah, yeah. Just if we're talking about Leeds's um Leeds's tactics, they they play with four one four one, and they do a lot of um of man marking. Um, a lot of their attacks were down to our left hand side. Um, I don't know whether that was deliberate to target Trent, but they certainly got some joy from it. Um, and what they were doing is they were very, they were very unpredictable, and they piled bodies forward. They had like, I think at one point there were seven, seven Leeds players, um, in the box for one of the just open play attacks, which shows just how 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 aggressive they were in terms of committed and piling men forward. But what they weren't doing is they didn't attack down the middle. Only 14% of the attacks was down the middle, which meant when they lost the ball, they were quite open. And like Liverpool consistently created chances. If you look at the XG, Liverpool's XG was 3.15 to Leeds as 0.3. And if you look at the timing of it, so the XG maps every chance that we had. The map on for Liverpool, the line is going up all the time, and it's suggesting or showing that we had chances throughout. It wasn't like we had one period of dominance, Leeds come back into it. We found space and gaps all the time, and actually the, the chances Leeds created were quite were quite few, and the chances they had were actually there was a seven percent on the xG of them scoring, and the fact that the, those three shots all went in. Just shows that they they were they were really efficient at scoring goals when they had the chance, um, and last year this was a big problem for Leeds. Bamford was saying big question marks whether he could make it in the Prem, and I was speaking to a couple of Leeds fans, and they were saying like we took our chances, that's what we want. We're going to be a threat this year if we do that, and and Liverpool Liverpool were punished, um, but our, our our attacking our attack our attack was 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 really good because of that space and. 44% of it was down the right-hand side. Salah had 15 dribbles. And if you look at our heat map, the, the main red part is down that right-hand side. Yeah, uh, um, th- thank, thanks for that, Pad. I mean, I, I can tell that you don't get out very often with that sort of detailed analysis. <laughs> I suppose that's why we affectionately call you Stato at home, isn't it? Um, but in, in, in all yeah, seriousness... Yeah, well, I've got loads more, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Good talk well, all day. I think... I think yeah, I think Matt was kind of nodding off at one point there. Yeah, thanks for waking a, me up. A, a, a typical, typical of him, actually. But Matt, um, obviously that's a, a very interesting statistical analysis of what was going on and some of the trends of the game. But we always, first and foremost, look at it um, through the eye test. We, you know, we look at it, we look at what we see and we form a view without having the benefit of statistics. What was your sort of um, take on how the game started and 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 that sort of opening sequence? Yeah, I'm certainly not going to go into PPDA anyway. But um, <laughs> I mean, certainly top, the way we started was actually really, really good, actually. I mean, we were quite rampant. 
And particularly, it, you know, the first two minutes we created a chance, didn't we? You know, when Naby, Naby got it down the right-hand side, passed it to Firmino. And, it, and Firmino could have quite easily have cut it inside and created a key chance. Uh, and then and then the goal followed, really. Um, great great run from Mane. Managed to hold it up into Salah. And then, of course, that was the that was the penalty incident, wasn't it? Where, in my opinion, it was it was it was it was clearly handball. I mean, people are saying, aren't they, that actually it hits his foot first and then hits his hands. So by the letter of the law, um, it's not a penalty. But you know, his arms his arms is an unnatural position. It's outstretched. So in my opinion, it, it's a barn door penalty. Um. Yeah, it was maybe it, maybe a bit all, of a bias. I don't know, but no, there's bias at all. I think what actually happened is that we made a pretty a pretty good start. I mean, we weren't slow out the blocks. Offensively, we were very strong, weren't we? Um, but obviously, mm-hmm. then Matt, uh, you come you come to the the issue about leaking goals at the back. Can I just can I just say that first half because I noticed that actually we, we've already said this, but Leeds started just to threaten on the left hand side or or our right side actually and there was just like little moments in the, in the first 10 minutes where they were knocking the ball to the right and Gomez cleared it away Leeds had a disallowed goal as well uh, which I know was offside but the threat was there and in the first 10 minutes Hernandez was able to ghost <laughs> ghost through the whole of our midfield past Henderson and he could have created a good chance but it, but it was a good Van Dyke Dijk block so actually before the goal, you you could see there was a little bit of a of a threat. Yeah, what do you think of Hendo's performance? I was surprised he surprised he got the nod. To be honest. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he didn't look as fit as he normally normally was. I don't know whether it was the fact that we didn't we didn't press as much, but I I think we adopted a, a selective pressing yesterday. I know we already talked about it, but we kind of let them play a little bit and then press when we needed to do we needed to do, which was. Which is quite logical, really, but we were talking. We were undone. We we're undone by a, by. A, we know we will talk about this. You know, a defensive error wasn't we? A long ball, um, from Phillips into Harris. Harrison. He skinned both Trent and and Gomez. So we had two opportunities to, to 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 stop that. And then then he knocked it past Allison. And it was a bit of a shock, wasn't it? Uh, when it when it went to one all, really. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Andy, we 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 started off the game well offensively. We looked bright, we looked dangerous, uh, and and both um, Paddy and Matt have talked about the press and the nuances of it. But what did you make of the, um, you know, the the three in the middle of the park and their ability to control the game and 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 keep hold of the of of the tempo? I thought the the midfield in the first half didn't play very well. And I think we were both saying, James, about me first half, we just couldn't understand where the intensity was. There was no... It didn't seem to me that the midfield were pressing and they were getting tackles in. It was almost there was a, a malaise in the midfield. They were just just sat back off. And that allowed Leeds to play, um, play in behind. There was one moment in the first half, it may have been Hernandez, but just with one chip, he managed to bypass our whole midfield and there was no reaction. I mean, I don't think Keita or Wijnaldum are particularly quick. I mean, Keita looks like he's running through treacle, doesn't he? But I just yeah. I wasn't impressed by the whole... The front three were good, but it was more the midfield and defence. They didn't, they didn't seem to be aggressive 
Whereas if you look back at last year, every game was almost like a final. We knew we had to win every game to compete with City. I'm just, I was concerned certainly first half that we were just treating it more like a, a, a not not a a friendly game, but it was almost thinking well, opposition's not very good. Um, we'll get there in the end. So, but I know that as the game, um proceeded then we got that intensity back didn't we we actually got stuck in and got some tackles in yeah I mean Andy listen no no one's going to be able to to be to to keep up to your exacting standards Very but true. um you know far far too demanding as as we all know but uh Fran don't you have to give um Liverpool uh, a little bit of allowance for the fact that it's the first game of the season and there's no crowd and maybe they had to play themselves in a bit in terms of the middle of the park and 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 with the with the defence. Yeah, definitely. I think at the end of the day, you have to analyse it and say the crowd makes such a difference at Anfield to lifting the team and pushing us going forward. I think I disagree slightly with what Andy was saying in terms of, I think we did give Leeds the respect. I think what you have to appreciate with Leeds is that they're a team that we've not come across last season. There's There's different... There's different ways of playing that we've not come across this season. And it's the first game of the season. Liverpool are notorious for working everyone really hard pre-season. You know, we start off a little bit slow and I, I, don't, I can't be too critical. I'm, I'm in the mindset that, you know, there was, there was things we could have done better. But I thought, the, I thought we worked hard enough to get the, the result and we got the result which was the most important thing. Yeah, I mean I mean c- certainly Matt there was there was some signs towards the end of the first half as the, as the half went on that we started to improve um we were a little bit more um combative a little bit more intense in and around the breakdown and the second balls and um as I say, we we run into the uh, to half time, in front. Yeah, well, to be honest, even a bit before that, I think we we responded pretty well to the goal. Actually, we we to the equaliser, and actually we started to see some of the trends that we'd seen last season with the Van Dyke long balls, and that's what created, uh, the the second goal and and Van Dyke's for Van Dyke's header from a corner, Robbo bombing forward and and getting in um. Um, gaining a corner and actually uh, we could have been three one up as well because we we had a uh, Firmino Mane and Salah linking up well and and I actually thought the Kaita linked linked up really really well with the fr- with the front three actually in the first half yes I can I, I can get it I get it that he's not he, he lacks pace and perhaps um, perhaps it does look like he's running through through treacle at times but I think actually you know the more the more Kaita plays the more the more I think there will be a, a connect with the, the with the front three but I but I think that I think at 2-1 could have been 3-1 we were controlling it and then of course how how can you legislate for the Van Dyke mistake um, so I know we're going to talk about that so I won't I won't dwell on that now but then suddenly it's 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 kind of two all isn't it and you're thinking oh you know you know, you know, we just need to get ourselves kind of motivated again. Uh, but again, we responded really, really well. But yeah. in fer- in fairness to Verge, I mean, it, it does it does provide further evidence that he is actually human, um, <laughs> which is you know that is a bit of a godlike 
creature, isn't he? Really on the pitch. I thought he was more. I thought he was more machine than man. He is more machine than man, isn't he? He's um, <laughs> but but at one one, um, he does ultimately make the run. Do you remember at the? You see the sort of the four of our players are in a horizontal line. Sorry, a vertical line. And then they all, as soon as the ball comes in, they, they all disperse and and, and uh, Van Dijk finds himself free. And we get, yeah, really, no, it's it was, a free it goal, quality. isn't it? When you can score from set pieces at any time of the match, you've got the ability with a corner or a free kick to, to either take the lead or bring it back, Matt. Did you not notice how I swiftly moved on when I mentioned the uh, uh, the Van Dijk mistake? I was like, uh, you know... You know, because you know it's it it is a it is a rare thing, isn't it? And he and he did score. Yeah, I think we need we need we need to come back and talk about about the defence because um it it is it is an issue, and I know Fran's going to talk about it later. But um, at half time, yeah, not going to just say though. But before half time again, we we responded really really well with the third goal. Um, and and I think even though it was disappointed with the defensive um, errors, we showed a lot of, a lot of. Um, steal a mentality to to pretty much score again after after they equalised and obviously it was a free kick from from Robbo and just an amazing finish by um by Salah. Interestingly though, because I know I know Paddy I know Leeds did have more of the of the possession, but around about that time we we were ahead on the possession stats as well, fifty three um to forty seven. So I don't know maybe we just we maybe we went a bit more into this into this selective. Um, pressing tactics, uh, but then I think we controlled the rest of the first first half. Then really, and then you know we went in the break, obviously three two up. Because there was a, there was a lot that happened, wasn't there? Really, first half when you analyse it, you know five goals, goals disallowed. There's really a lot of a lot to digest There's def- in the first half. So to to go in at half time three two up, I you know I was quite happy. Entertaining as watching you on the dance floor, Fran, throwing a few shapes after a, a couple of pints. <laughs> has to be a few beers, yeah, definitely. It used to be 10 pints before we could get you dancing, but now it's two. 2.5 pints and you're, uh, you're doing the worm. Or the old Sturridge homage dance, whatever that's called. But uh, m- moving moving back to reality, uh, sec- second half, Matt, there is a picture, is there not, of Liverpool gradually, albeit we leak a third equaliser, getting control of the match and controlling the tempo uh, and showing that we're champions. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think we started off pretty well again. It, it only took us for 48 minutes, I think, to create the first chance with that with, with Wijnaldum. Uh, Firmino again, Bobby cut it back to him, and it was a good save from the keeper. Uh, I think I think that was the point that Leeds was starting to have a bit more possession, but in their own half, really, and we were happy. We, we were happy with that, but we were kind of pressing more, uh, and and really, the only scur the first bit of the second half was 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 the Trent Alexander own goal, which was obviously offside, which was which was the only thing really that that Leeds started to create. Um, Do you think he just thought, fuck it there, Matt, I'll, I'll just put it in the net? I think he just wanted his first goal of the season, yeah. didn't he? But, you know, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not having, I'm not having that, um, that Trent did that deliberately. I mean, he, he, he <laughs> definitely tried to edit past the post. <laughs> it, was, it was a classic. It was a 50p head, wasn't yeah. it? It was a classic 50p head. Uh, it but, was a square part of his head, wasn't it, that, that it hit? And went in, it was but it'll be harder to miss, wasn't it? But does anyone remember? 
<laughs> does, does anyone remember that second half though? That that great counter attack where kind of Bob, Bobby turned with the ball, he knocked it to Mane, Mane knocked it to Salah, and Salah knocked it again to Mane again. It looked like it was going to be a great goal, but Mane curled it, curled it, curled it over, and and you know that was another kind of a a chance created. But then Leeds pretty much scored after that after that chance then. Uh, after not really threatening, after not threatening, it was it was again another goal. It was pretty much a goal out of nothing in in that second half, um, which was you know we, you're going to go more into with the with the with the defensive errors, aren't you? Well, the 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 problem is we the game was always on a knife edge, wasn't it? Um, you know they kept equalising, and although there was a lot of quality from us in terms of attacking play and quite direct attacking play. As Paddy was saying, even in the first half, you know, the, the average number of passes that we're putting together as we move forward is about four or five. Um, you've still got the... I mean, it could have been a 6-2 game, really, in our favour because you've got Genie missing chances. You've got Mane missing that chance. Yeah, it was a little yeah. bit far out in fairness, but it's classic uh, Mane territory there, isn't it? You know, when he opens his body and aims for, for the, the top right-hand corner. He just couldn't quite um, connect with it in the end. Matt, um, were you, or perhaps Pad, I ought to ask you, were you a bit concerned, um, Paddy, when they, when they got the uh, the third equaliser? Or were you, were you confident that we were going to get the winner? We were still creating chances. I mentioned before that in the back of my head, I had the fear of, you know, historic games with Leeds. Um, but... There was the we were coming into it, and I think the last twenty minutes was actually our most, like the best part, of the our best spell during the game. I think, um, despite looking a bit leggy when they first come on, Jones and Fabino, we I think we definitely definitely offered something going forward. Jones won the ball a couple of times high up and and done some key passes, and and we looked like we were going to score. And about a minute before we do score. Bobby has a really, really good chance. I, I don't know how he how he doesn't put it away. And yeah, I, I felt like it was coming to be honest, but we did leave it really late. Paddy, uh, Bobby seems to have that have that in his armory. He can tend to, uh, you know, he has an easy chance in front of him, and he tends to miss. But then he can put he can score a, a screamer. I think it's just. Yeah, last year his stats were mad. I think he scored. He scored like nine goals, but this the XG was saying he should have scored sixteen or seventeen. So, I'm expecting him to be a bit more normal this year and uh, and 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 get highest um, goal return. I think they mentioned on commentary that Liverpool's front three goal return has, has dropped in the last couple of years, and yeah, that's down to style of play. But I think we, I think people like Firmino could could chip in with a couple more if he bags if he bags those chances. But I think. The front three all played really well yesterday. Maybe because Salah got his goal early and he was just he was just on it, like he was absolutely on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I think just just echo that. Yeah, and I think I think when I was kind of when I was watching it, I think I think it was good to see. I think in the second half and particularly the end, I thought Fabino made made a good contribution, made things a bit more stable in midfield, and I think. Paddy did mention it. I think Jones had, had give us a fresh impetus, and uh, and I think that was quite quite crucial. And the last twenty minutes, I don't know if you've if you've kind of seen it in Star Wars with the walls coming in. We we were just basically penning <laughs> them in. We we're just penning them in gradually. And I think I think it was only inevitable that we were gonna 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 score. They had that one free kick on the seventy fifth minute, 
uh, and and the odd chances. But I think overall, uh, massively deserved winners. Really, overall. You're referring to a new hope there, Matt, aren't you? The first Star Wars new, movie. Oh no, yeah. not, not the first chronologically. Yeah, yeah. No, it was. It wasn't the Attack of the Clones anyway. But well, on the on the Star Wars theme, isn't it great that the Phantom Menace is back? Um, Mo Salah is back to his best, tormenting defenders, because that was a virtuoso performance, wasn't it, from uh, the Egyptian king yesterday? Um. I mean, right, right from the off, um, he was sharp. He was keeping the ball. He wasn't giving it away, which he sometimes does. He was looking dangerous. He was also not just cutting inside onto his left from the right. He was actually running occasionally down the wing onto his right peg. And, you know, that that goal he scores, the second goal, is a it's a ridiculous finish, isn't it? I mean it Fun the Bastard. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, it's just it's it's I mean it's the thing about that as well is it's in, it's an instinctive finish. He doesn't have any time to think about it. He just takes the touch and it's just there to be hit. And it goes right in the top right hand corner, doesn't it? Salah's top right hand corner. And um a top bin. I know that Top bit. I mean the penalties as well. I mean he's become, he's become the James Milner of the penalty world, doesn't he? With these finishes, quality. He was asked about the, and by uh, this guy uh, Jeff on Sky Sports about you know whether he felt a bit of pressure on the on the final penalty, uh, in typical Mo style, um, he sort of said, "Well, no, I've taken a penalty in the Champions League final," which. Um, just shows, doesn't it, that he, he does have that very, you know, quiet sort of arrogance about him and his abilities. But if he if he if Salah carries on like this this season, I mean he could get he could get thirty thirty goals. I mean yeah, that's I mean, James, bearing in mind this Can you believe we're having this conversation? Because pre season he's looked pretty poor. I know we, we all know that Mo Salah can turn it on and he you know, his goals speaks for itself, but I don't think anyone was quite expecting that performance from no. him on the first game of the season. No. He's got a new haircut though, he's ready. <laughs> <laughs> but what happened uh what happened to Torres when he got a new haircut though? Uh hopefully hopefully Salah's hopefully Salah's gonna go the opposite way anyway. anyway. Torres did lose his powers yeah, once don't, the don't mention his, <laughs> name. Don't mention his name. His... Still heartbroken. No, Torres lost his powers once the, the peroxide went in the bin, didn't he? And he got it <laughs> he went went for the short back and sides. But um unbelievable attacking performance. Uh obviously Salah was the man of the match and uh everyone on Brothers Red recognises that Mo Salah is an unbelievable player. I mean, he's up there with the world's best, isn't he? I mean, he's top 10 players in the world and and we're ha- happy to have him. Um, but, you know, the, the rather vexing issue, Fran, is the defensive frailty. I mean, Liverpool, however you look at it, haven't been the same um, defensive unit. Parsimonious... Um, since, uh, since before lockdown, but since you know, since probably what February maybe we just we just haven't been able to to keep a clean sheet. What was it? So we'd conceded maybe fifteen goals in the first twenty six games of the Premier League season, which is just unbelievable. But what did you make of that defensive performance yesterday, Fran? Yeah, well, first of all, let's just start off on a positive. Really, 
You know, I think that you know we may have maybe worried about conceding three goals, but as I mentioned before, it was a different kind of test we were facing today. Something that we've not come up against as of last season, and we got the result. We came through. Um, Trent Trent was at fault for the first goal. I thought he should have stopped or made a challenge on Jack Harrison. Um, and don't take anything away from Harrison. It was a great finish. Took it really well. And arguably, Gomez should have done better in getting getting a challenge in as well. Um, second goal, terrible, terrible mistake from Van Dijk. You know, we really should have... It was a routine clearance. I think we probably all agree with that. Um, the third goal, well, that arrives from sort of a, a catalogue of poor play. Um, a poor throw-in from Trent, handing over possession, which didn't help. Then you've got Curtis rolling off the ball on the right-hand side. Young player can happen, but that didn't help the situation. Um and then even Robbo was too passive. You know, he allowed Costa to pick the ball up and basically do what he want. And then the fourth instant then is that, you know, you just, no one's tracking the deep runners coming in from the midfield into the box. And before you know it, you've got a goal. So I think overall, it was uncharacteristic and sluggishness in the defence. I think there's, you know, I think that's the way to sum it up. But, there may be a number of different factors to at least consider with that. First of all, being Trent doesn't quite look match fit, you know, and this may be due to his uh, pre-season being disturbed for injury. You know, so apparently he had a poor, poor game for England as well. Apparently, you know, I was going to come on to that as well. Is that, <laughs> apparently. You know, Gomez didn't particularly... Yeah, <laughs> nobody watched England, so... Because we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll take your word for that one, Paddy. But Gomez didn't look razor sharp either. And I think we've, you know, we've all commented on that. You know? And then you talk about the international games, but Trent, Gomez and Van Dijk all had international duty. So all three of them were playing midweek. So that might be a factor. To consider at least, you know, Van Dyke and Matt touched upon it before, he's been immense since he's joined Liverpool. You know, you find it very hard and very difficult to criticise him. Um, but maybe a couple of these errors now are starting to creep in Van Dyke's game. Now, I don't know if it's arrogance or it's just a bit of complacency, but I think we can all remember the Arsenal game probably is the last example where Lacazette got in and scored. So, you know, it's quite significant that. But even if you go back to, you know, further on then, when you, you look at the City game, and he got out-muscled by Sterling off the ball, and City went on and scored. So there's just a few examples. I think even going back to the Fulham game, when Ryan Babel scored, now that was a mistake from Van Dijk. So I don't know if his sort of confidence that he's got about him, which is great and which makes him the player he is. I don't know if that's also giving this sort of arrogance where he is prone for a mistake, but I don't want to criticise him too much because, you know, he's, as I said, he's been immense for us. But those three examples of, 
of you know of the things that went wrong for us. Andy, what were you going to say? Yeah, I just said it. I agree. I think Van Dijk. Um... It wasn't his best game yesterday, but I don't know whether anyone else agrees with this. There was a couple of the Leeds goals where I thought Ali could have done a bit better. Now, it's difficult, isn't it? Because sometimes you want a council of perfection for your your big players and you think that they're untouchable. But just some of the, the shots, it seemed that he, you know, he could have got a hand on them. Maybe, again, I've been a bit too critical on that. But we've talked a lot about the, uh, the defence and not really much on Ali and whether... It may well be that you, you all disagree that he couldn't do anything for the goals, but it just seemed that like he got close to them and he just wasn't able to get a hand hand on them. Uh, uh, yeah. I think... Yeah, I think, I think um, no, I think... I think... Um, the if, I think, <laughs> oh, therefore, I am. There's a bit of philosophy for you, Descartes. The, I think... Um, I don't think he was at fault for any of the goals, but they did... Not a fault. He just could have done better. I thought not a fault. Just he could have done better. I'll just um... yeah. No, I was I was just gonna say that uh, according to his match ratings, looking at the stats, he had he was like five point eight. He was he got a poor rating, which suggests that he apparently he was supposed to save a couple of them. Listen, uh, Fran. No one's gonna ever uh, satisfy Andy, but um, you, you've got to watch, I suppose, a little bit with Ali that you don't want him to get Pepe Reina sort of uh, illness, do you? Where he just, you know, every he doesn't make a save. Anything doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't get his hand to anything. But I think uh, you can't really criticise Ali in those situations. The first goal is a top finish. The second one is a very good finish, and the third one is a pretty good finish as well. So I, I think whilst whilst Wurge. It, it properly comes in for a bit of criticism and the others um you, you can't you can't really criticize ali although you just like him maybe to have put a glove on one of the, one of those shots uh, yeah i totally agree and i think first of all we should give credit to to leeds because you know they took the goals really well but i find it very difficult to criticize ali because i don't think that I think it was a, a combination, a catalogue of, of errors from, from other players as opposed to Ali and Net. So, but it's opinions, Andy, isn't it? You know, at the end of the day, I think Ali's been such a big difference, equally on par with Van Dijk, to be honest, since he's come in. So I don't think any of the goals were particularly Ali's fault. But what was interesting, and obviously Paddy alluded to it before, is that Leeds scored three goals and they only had three shots on target and none of them were really clear cut chances um, so you know what's the likelihood or the consistency out through, throughout the season that a team's going to do that have three chances and score all three it's very difficult and Paddy also picked up on the, the GA before and I think most GA models Paddy had Liverpool winning you know 3-0 so it was like, I think you, you said the, the GA model was about 3.15 to 0.25 or 0.3, something like that. So I think, you know, what we have to look at here is that Leeds took all the chances and maybe on another day that may not have happened. But what is a good thing for Leeds and maybe something that Liverpool can look at defensively is that Leeds were able to block 13 shots. Now, this was more than double the total that Liverpool achieved. So maybe it would, you know, there was elements of a cup tie game, of playing a big team, 
where they just got bodies in and they've just done well at blocking things. And I think we should give Leeds credit. But I think, you know, on another day, Liverpool's chances all go in and we win, we, we win the game comfortably. And I think we've talked about as well, just briefly, about the game at the start of last season against Norwich and the way that that, that game unfolded. And we come away 4-1. I think it was 4-0 at half-time. I don't know if you, you yeah. guys can remember that game. It's, it's it a free pass for Leeds, isn't it, Fran? That first game of the season, nothing to lose at home to the champions. Just go for it, be a um, you know, attacking threat. That, that Leeds performance would have been much different, in my view, had it been approaching the end of the season when there was much more at stake. The fact that it was at the start of the season... Um, I think meant that they could throw more players forward and cause us a bit of a gung ho, cause us more more problems. I think I think basically I think basically we're giving the the defense the benefit of the doubt, aren't we? Um, the fact that everybody's come back from international can't criticize Ali, you can't criticize Van Dijk, you can't criticize anybody, and I think actually, uh, you know, everybody's saying Leeds Leeds played so well and they're so good. I mean, Norwich last season, Norwich Norwich had twelve shots against us actually and I think I think Norwich were actually more more, more threatening than, than than Leeds actually so so I, I think with this Leeds team anyway I, mean, I know we're not talking about Leeds but it's a bit of a flash in the pan for them and I I, I think they will struggle this year <laughs> Leeds personally um, yeah I I think I think though Matt one of the one of the um, the big concerns if not going over the top about it is that if we have a season this season which is which is the polar opposite of last season, where teams were having chances but weren't actually converting them. If they start converting them this season and we're not as strong defensively, we're not we're not gonna hold on to that title. So I think one of the th- one of the ongoing themes that we need to keep an eye on this season is can we get that kind of Scrooge like rear guard back so that we're get we're clocking up the clean sheets because if we can do that, yeah, but we're talking about we're, we're going to win. We're going to win the vast majority of the games. I know, but we're talking about zero point zero seven xgs here. So, uh, yeah, I know you can you can kind of, you know, you can kind of criticise the feds, but I think any on a, on a, on a on a different day they wouldn't have scored any of them anyway, and it and it would have been a a four one, four one five one six one game. To be perfectly honest. Um, but that's yeah, that's just my opinion. I think I think that is. I mean, it, we do need to, and we've touched upon them. Have a have a quick word about Leeds before we leave the match because it's a very difficult performance to analyse. I think because Leeds looked to me um, very confident. They played out from the back. They didn't change their style. They had a proper game plan. They were they were as I said earlier drawing Liverpool onto them. And then as soon as as the three midfielders started to press on, they'd put a ball over over the top of the press and, and absolutely flood forward with running midfielders. I mean, the amount of times they got late runs, I mean, the third goal was a brilliant example of that into the box. I mean, they, the midfield movement was really, really good. But the problem about that is that they were lucky. I mean, that you can't... You, they scored, but, that's, but they were lucky in one sense to be... Um, to be so clinical in front of goal because, as you say, the XG is so low. But on the other hand, like I also said earlier, they, they could have got beaten 6-2. 
You know, so they came to Anfield and Liverpool, you know, should should have really scored more goals than they did. So is that, you know, it's kind of that dichotomy, isn't it? On the one hand, they 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 say some brilliant interplay, brilliant confidence. I mean, they've got the youngest squad in the Premier League, twenty four point seven is the youngest age. That's often sort of synonymous with fearlessness, but they've got you know. Once, once they, once they get a, few, if you know, if they lose the next few games, it'd be interesting to see whether Bielsa actually changes his tactics. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, I, I was really impressed with them. To be honest, I, thought, I was really impressed. Yeah, like they gave us a proper go when they went for it, and it at one one point you thought it was going to be seven all or something. So, massive credit to them. I'm, I, I'm intrigued to see what they'll be like against other teams. I think they've got more than Norwich. To be honest, I think. They, they will give teams a proper go and not all the teams will have the quality that we've got. Well, we've got, I mean, it, we've got the three points in the bag. Obviously, we've got uh, the whole season to look ahead to and that's why I want to come on to, to finish off with our debate. It's an absolutely essential debate, this. Uh, to quote a bit of Hamlet, uh, to buy or not to buy, well, not quite Hamlet, but uh, a slightly bastardised version there. And one of the things that's been dividing opinion in the family and also across the fan base is about Liverpool's transfer policy. Should we be strengthening as champions or do we need to work with what we've got and look to improve the existing crop of players who, as we know, are world beaters? So on the to buy side, I know we've got Andy and Fran who basically want FSG to get the checkbook out and do it double quick. And on the other side of the fence, we've got Matt and Pad, who really think that there's absolutely no panic at all in terms of signatures. So, Andy, if I can come to you, why is it that Liverpool need to uh, bring some players in this summer? I'm just concerned, James, that Liverpool are standing still in the transfer market at the moment. If you look at the the teams who are going to be there or thereabouts... Take for example, Chelsea, City. They've invested and have made a couple of good um, signings. Whereas Liverpool's um, position currently, other than signing a new left back, we've not made any improvements, which I think um, is significant because I think each year you want to try and to build on your uh, success. You want to try and increase and improve um, the uh, the team. And my biggest concern. I don't know if you share this as well, is that if we suffer an injury to one of the key players, let's just say it's Mane or Van Dijk, who's going to come in to replace those those players? So for, for Mane example, you've got potentially Origi or Brewster. Now, they could probably come in and do a good job for a game, but how about if we say it's seven or eight games? Well, I've, Could Origi yeah. knock up 10, yeah. 10 goals? I don't think so. I'm, I'm certainly less confident. But how how um, often how often have the front three been injured? Uh, to throw that back at you, and in the last two seasons, I mean, they've they've got an unbelievable fitness record. I mean, they're like Marines, aren't they? I mean, they just just keep going. Uh, uh, touch wood, touch wood, touch wood. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to. An old double jinx. In I don't want to jinx it. The the record in terms of fitness has been uh, unbelievable and, and impressive. But we know, having watched football all our lives, that. Um, injuries can come at any point and any at any time, and I'm just concerned that there's there's a significant golfing class between our 
top 11 and and the bench and you can't uh, forget as well James that we were get we've got rid of or Lalana's gone now and Lovren has gone now those two players um were, were key squad players so it just seems to me that we're a bit um we're not as healthy as we 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 could be going into the new season and I think the addition of perhaps even two signings. I'm not trying to say that we ought to spend two hundred million and trying to, to restructure the whole team, but just two or three good squad players who can come in and make that difference. Now Matt may well say I know Matt's a big advocate of Curtis Jones, but and he did come on and do okay yesterday. But I I wouldn't be uh, confident and optimistic of Curtis Jones coming in and and. For example, playing 10 or 15 games. It's just simply not fair in him because he's not had the experience yet. Right, Matt. So we know that Andy's a, a pandemic denier. He basically doesn't accept that we're in an unprecedented financial uh, financial <laughs> meltdown. Uh, meltdown. Exactly. And, you know, he just thinks we should just spend 200 million and then uh, obviously go into liquidation next, uh, next year. What, what are your thoughts on it all? Completely, completely misstated my view there, Jim. Yeah, well, you know, that's his job to misstate you, <laughs> to misinterpret. Well, no, Matt, I think no, one of the in, big. In fairness, though, just before, like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be unusual for Andy to talk out of his backside, would it? No, no, it's true. Actually, it's true. But no, no. In all seriousness, I, you know, we we've got a massive, we've got a massive wage bill, haven't we? Uh, I know it's been well documented, but uh, it's around about three hundred ten million on on wages, which is. Which is quite a lot, isn't it? Uh, maybe FSG are looking to save some cash because we might be extending the Annie Road, um, and uh, and other things as well. So maybe in in one sense they're looking at a, a kind of a long term, term term plan. Um, I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a big I'm a big supporter of Jones actually, and and I think that he can come in come in and do a job in that midfield. I think I think in terms of midfielders, if we keep Wijnaldum, then we, obviously we've got Ox and we've got Kaito, obviously we've got Fabino and we've got Henderson, so we've got a lot of strength in that midfield. And I think um, I think Taki's shown some promise as well, hasn't he, in pre season, and he may well be able to fill the fill the boots to a certain extent of the of the front three. Yeah, but um, Matt, so that's also a possibility. Are you trying to say? I don't know how far. El- I don't know how far Elliot's going to come as well, but I mean, perhaps he, perhaps he just gets a free season this 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 season well, uh, in the, I mean, in the worthless cup. But in fairness to Harvey Elliot, he's only like thirteen as noon he's in the first team squad. But Matt, are you actually saying that like in two seasons, seven million is splashing out? I mean, with a, you know, with a with the former champions of Europe, with the reigning world champions and English champions, I mean, why on earth? Would we not be wanting to strengthen from, from this position when every player in the world wants to come to Liverpool? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think if the right player is available, then 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 fair enough. But there's there's question marks about who who is the who is the right player to bring in, who who are the right players to bring in. Um, I don't know if I don't know who's been spotted or who's been scouted. I know obviously Thiago is the big debate, isn't it? Um, Did you mention Thiago? I I've never heard of Thiago. Is that is that is that some some sort of player or something? I mean, I uh, Thiago Silva is it? Or? Yeah, <laughs> Thiago Silva. No, he's the OAP that Chelsea have signed, isn't he? But 
Tiago has been on my mind <laughs> for literally weeks and weeks and weeks. I mean, I've been thinking about Tiago in a non-erotic way every morning. And have every you been having night. dreams? Have you been having dreams I've, about I've him? I've been dreaming about him, yeah. I've been dreaming about him being, you know, the Liverpool Iniesta that we've been, we've been missing. I mean, Fran, if come over to you. If Thiago is available, as apparently he is, for about 30 million quid or 30 million euros, I mean, don't Liverpool just have to buy him? I mean, he's, isn't he in a, that top bracket of player? To uh, that that you know that we just need to we just need to snap up, and he gives us something that we haven't got. He, he's like a Zabi Alonso, isn't he? He gives us that passing range, that is unpressable. Um, surely we've got to buy him. Firstly, I agree with, with Andy, and I, you know I'm on the stance that we should we should improve the squad. I think it's healthy for a bit of competition. I think Thiago's a player who can come in. He can speak English. He's got plenty of pedigree behind him. We've all seen loads of clips of how he plays. And I think he's going to add something different to Liverpool. And I think it'd be a great signing. It'd be a great signing to bring in. And I just, I'm just slightly concerned that, as you alluded to before, we've not really spent that much money in the last two years. And I just think to keep investing and keep, keep being at the top, you've got to bring in... Some healthy competition. But you don't just buy... You, I mean, you don't just buy for the sake of it, do you? I mean, we we won the European Cup the year before last. No. We won the Premier League last season. Why... I mean, we've got 25 mid centre midfielders. Why do we need to go and, go and buy another one? I mean, isn't it just buying... Pandering to the fans, clamour for signings? Well, I think, I think that's a good point. I think as fans, we all tend, tend to want to see new signings coming in. I think that's just the way football is everyone wants to get excited pre-season and see new signings coming in I think you look at other teams bringing in Chelsea have spent so well City have started spending United is spending you want you want a marquee signing kind of every season but I think Thiago will offer us something different in terms of in terms of going forward and for me, he'd be the right signing in the midfield just to give us a different option. Now, if I asked you the same question, you'd you'd snap him up, wouldn't you? There's just a question: Do we hold out till January, as opposed to paying the thirty, the thirty million now? Well, it's it's not really Liverpool's style, I suppose, to pay thirty million for someone they can sign on a pre-contract agreement in four months' time. But Paddy, what's your um? What I know you're in the camp of saying we don't actually need to buy if an opportunity comes up. But what what's your take on the Thiago and Genie Wijnaldum situation? How do you think Liverpool are analysing it in the boardroom? I think it's it's really interesting how Genie hasn't signed his contract or hasn't 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 renewed a contract. I think this is very similar parallels with Emre Can and Klopp. Had done a few interviews after Chan left and said we kind of knew he was leaving all season, but we couldn't tell you. And I think it the same messages are coming out. The situation's fine. We know the situation. We've just got nothing to release. So, the it all points in it all pointing towards he is leaving. I think it's just a case of 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 when. Um, I think if Barca come in, 
and offer enough money, then we've got a good solution with Thiago. If they don't, then Liverpool need Ginny Wijnaldum. He's a key player. He's he's been he's like he's played the most the second most minutes under Klopp since he's been here, and he's always fit. This this season's gonna be really intense, and and so we we need him. Um, so with Thiago, he's he's a class act, and you know I I want us to sign him, but it's it's very much nice to have. And I think if it's only if Ginny leaves. That will sign him, and I think what Liverpool do is they've got a financial plan. It's about sustainability. They were successful having a net net spend of zero. I think the two seasons before last, it we actually made money on transfers. So we've got we've been successful doing that, and so why why would they change it now? And I don't think Thiago's profile is a Liverpool profile. He has a bad injury record. And he's 29-30. And the only player they've signed, Liverpool, of that age is James Milner on a free. So I think there's a situation where he's a good option for Genie if we can get either the same money in as the same money out or we wait until January or the end of the season where we can get him for free. I don't see a world where Liverpool just whip out 30 million and go, yeah, Thiago. And as well, just the last comment, I'm sorry, um... The wage bill has outstripped the revenue over the last couple of years. So he it is clear, Klopp has said, the reason that, that Dortmund fell off the cliff is because they lost the key players and they couldn't keep the squad together. So what they've done is they've they've used that, that massive, massive spike in revenue of the last couple of years and all that money from winning trophies and invested it in the current playing squad, saying this is our core, we look after these players. And so he doesn't want to upset the apple cart. If he's got a pl- he's got a plethora of midfielders, six or seven really good midfielders. He's still got Gruwich on the books. He probably wants to get rid of. Milner's coming to the end of his tenure, but we've got seven or eight of them. And I don't think I I think adding an extra player will just will ups- upset things. And maybe it already has with with Ginny. Well, I think it's going to be really important actually to see what Liverpool do in the transfer window. I mean, the window doesn't shut, does it, for another few weeks. Um, as Paddy said, Gruwich, also Shakiri, maybe Origi, Harry Wilson for sure, uh, possibly Brewster are going to be on the move. If 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 they go out the door, then something could happen very quickly. But I think it's too early as yet to make bold season predictions. But um, I I think there's a real danger that we might not get a hundred points this year. I think there's. Uh... <laughs> It's um, I might have to settle for 99 this season, to be honest. But, um, gentlemen, I'm not going to ask you anything else because uh, we've run out of time. But thank you very much for your contributions this week. Uh, we've got a big game away at Stamford Bridge next week. I look forward to speaking to you after that match. Hopefully, when Liverpool have got six points in the bag. You've been listening to Brothers Red, an LFC fan podcast. Your host was James Cullen. Contributors were Matthew, Francis, Patrick and Andrew Cullen. Music and production by Helen Lyon. The best word I can say when describe this was boom. <laughs> <laughs>